You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week we're on episode 48. This is Bolt from 2008. And remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. You're running out of time to give us a rating and review on iTunes, so please do that on Apple Podcasts. With me this week, as always, is my brother David Rolfing, the rhino to my mittens. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Yay, I'm the better character this time. <laughs> rhino is awesome. Yeah, he's also kind of dumb. <laughs> well, I liked him, okay. Oh, I do too. He is great. And joining us this week, a new special guest. We talked to her husband last week on our Meet the Robinsons episode. This is Kaylin Bubenick. Welcome to Disney One by One. Thank you. Excited to be here. Happy to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, like you said, I'm wife to Bill, which is a very adventurous life. <laughs> I'm sure he, you got a taste of that just in your little, little episode talking to him. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of fun. Two big dogs, baby on the way. I work in youth mentoring, so Disney has uh, always been a part of that, you know, hanging yeah. out with kids. Yeah. Well, congrats on the child. Thank you. Very exciting. And uh, tell me a little bit more, a little bit more about your Disney history. Bill said that he married into a Disney family. He only gave us a small taste of it. So. Oh, good, good. It's almost embarrassing, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't say I'm embarrassed though. I mean, my mom raised us on Disney. We had every single VHS you can imagine, and we watched them till they died. But she still has them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when I was born, we grew up and we were born in Southern California. So uh, you could, my mom always says that you could see Disneyland from my hospital room that I was born in. Wow. And so we used to go to Disneyland all the time. And whenever we moved here, every time we went back to California, that's all we wanted to do. We had to go to Disneyland. So it's shaped a lot of my childhood and just kind of our family dynamic. Well, and they live in Florida now, right? Yeah, my parents moved to Florida <laughs> from St. Louis three years ago, and they are season pass holders for Disney World. And I swear they go at least once a month. <laughs> I would. I would and if I lived that live close to it. two hours away. Oh, that's pretty far. <laughs> yeah, but they, they find every excuse. Even if it's just for dinner, they go and make a reservation at a nice bougie restaurant in Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> live the good life. I mean... What I'm is jealous. what is the bougiest restaurant at Epcot? I'm they not like, sure. They like the French one. They're biased towards the French pastries, which that's fair. Yeah, well there's there's Chefs de France, which is the, mm -hmm. the, the one downstairs, but then upstairs is Monsieur Paul, which is like the really fancy one. Oh yeah, they've definitely done that. <laughs> yeah, they they don't take us there when we do the family trips. We get the cheap carnival okay. food. But, okay. You know. Do you prefer Disney World or Disneyland and why? Oh, Disneyland for sure. It's the original. It's got waltz touches all over it. You just you can't help but feel like the authenticity of it. It's it's genuinely magical. Like I cannot be in a bad mood going there. And even though Disney World is like the castle's bigger and some of the rides are bigger and more exciting. Yeah. I just think Disneyland has just like a charm to it that can't be touched by any other theme park. David, do you have an opinion on the matter? I mean, we grew up going to Disney World, so the first time I was at Disneyland, and I was at least old enough to remember, was in like 2012. Was that when we were all there together? Yeah, when we went, the, just the siblings, and we were there for like, we had like a 16-hour day. Yeah, well, it was also like three days after <laughs> Christmas, so it was insane. Oh, that's the time to go, though, I mean. Yeah, well, and we didn't go to California Adventure, we just went to Disneyland, what? so you didn't get the full 
you can get the full the full deal. Yeah, Kalen, I think I'm on the in the same boat as you. It's tough. I mean, I think Epcot is my favorite park. That's fair. It's very cool. <laughs> but I think I prefer Disneyland to Disney World mm-hmm. because of the reasons you let you just rattled off. Yeah, and it's like you can do it all in one day. Even California Adventure, you could do them both all in one day. It's which a long I've done, day. which I've done many times. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Bill and I did that for our 29th birthdays. Yeah, <laughs> we, we did like a 14 hour day at both parks and it was glorious because it was actually his birthday and I made him wear the little button that says right, it's my birthday. Right, right. So all the strangers were like, hey, happy birthday. And I do think Space Mountain is better in California. It is. I went on them in the same month, the Disneyland yeah. and Disney World. So I got to compare. Disneyland is faster and smoother. I love the one in Florida, but I think the one in California is an overall better experience. Mm-hmm. I think Thunder Mountain is better in California. Mm-hmm. I think Pirates of the Caribbean is far superior in California. Oh, like it's not even above close. and beyond. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else I like better. Small World is better in California. Yeah. Yeah. Is Star Wars Land just open in California right now? No, both. It's open in both. Yeah, they're both open now. Yeah. My parents went to the opening weekend of Did Star they? Wars and but they still Disney haven't World. opened the second ride yet. That's the whole like backbone of the land they haven't teasing even opened it, it, teasing so. it out and making sure people keep showing it <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to go visit disneyland in march which nice. everything it'll all be open then so yeah hopefully i'll get a, a, at least a taste of it so mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree i mean the ch- the charm and just the overall experience of disneyland is it's it's hard to beat yeah i mean walt didn't get to finish disney world so it's like yeah you can feel them there but it's like you can tell it wasn't all the way there What's what's your all-time favorite ride or attraction? Oh, gosh. Probably Space Mountain. Just the thrill of it, being inside so fast, all the stars. Pirates of the Caribbean is a blast. Like, it's so kitschy and, like, just kind of silly, but I don't know. It, there's something really warm and fun about it. I keep contradicting myself because I also love the people mover in Florida, <laughs> but I still think I like Disneyland better, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the people mover in Disneyland is so sad. It it's is just a the sad. track. They're is just, working on it. The last track time is I was there. no. The track is just sitting there. They're, they're never going to build it again. Yeah, because it's completely against code now. They could not <laughs> rebuild it. Like it's grandfathered in in Florida, oh, but the one in California is just dead. It's just dead. It's just there. It's just a shell. Yeah. But well. all right. Well, how about your top five favorite Disney movies? Did you manage to narrow down this list? This was really hard. I won't lie, and I'm thankful that you did not include Pixar ones because that would have made it even more challenging. I don't <laughs> yes. think I could have done it. My list would definitely change if those were included. Yeah, mine too. And I had to go between are these these are my favorite movies versus these are the most quality movies. <laughs> So I had I favored the ones on the list that are just my personal favorites. Yeah, so that's, my, that's that's allowed. Yeah, my number five was Frozen. I know that's tired, and a lot of people are irritated because we've heard the songs a million times. But you can't dismiss its quality. Like it is, the music is amazing. The scenery, the imagery, the aesthetic is beautiful. It's a different story. It's it's new age Disney, but still feels like original Disney. So I I got to give Frozen its props. What do you think about Frozen two? I'm excited. I think it has potential. I mean, they've taken their time. They didn't, you know, push out a fast sequel just trying to make a quick buck. They got all the same people back on board. They've made plenty of bucks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's not even... They could bankrupt this movie and they'd still be like, eh, it's worth it. (laughs) So I'm excited about it. Have you been on the Frozen ride at Epcot? I don't think so. They they turned the, the, the Norway boat ride into a frozen ride oh i oh i am wrong i did go on that with my mom we we, we waited in line for like an hour yeah, for that it's ride. very popular 
it was nice. I liked it though. And then where was I? I think when I was in Disneyland a few years ago, before they had built the ride at Epcot in Florida, they had some weird frozen experience where they had like, you entered this room and they had like a hill where you could sled. It was super what? lame. <laughs> so weird. It was just like some placeholder for something they were building. And uh, yeah, I just, I have this weird memory of kids sledding down a fake hill of snow. I mean, it for was, California kids, that probably yeah, was pretty exciting. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So Frozen's your number five. Frozen's number five. Number four, I gave to Princess and the Frog. I think that movie is underrated. Um, the music is lovely. The, I love that they did a, you know, old school animation style movie, you yeah. know, they could do the fancy 3d kind, but I just thought they did a great job with the storytelling and the characters. It just had all the pieces of a classic Disney movie. Yeah. That one's coming up next week. I've think I've seen it. I really don't remember it. So, Oh my gosh. It's on Netflix. You got to check it out. <laughs> and Disney plus <laughs> and Disney plus. Oh, Hey, Disney plus. <laughs> I am very excited about Disney plus. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, my number three I've got is Pocahontas. I know that uh, by today's standards, it's got some qualms with the cultural issues or whatever, but I love the music. Judy Kuhn just has a voice that's untouchable. I love the visuals. I think it's just like, I think it was a bold move for Disney in its time. Um, and so I just, I like to reward the creativity. And David, that one, that one snuck into your top five or 10 recently. Yeah. We haven't done top 10 for a long time. I, that was months ago. It was maybe. in your most recent one, whatever yeah. that was. Okay. <laughs> Pocahontas is a beautiful movie. It really is. This is movie 48. And that was, I think our last top 10 was at like 40, 30, 40. right? I think we did it at 40. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I can't get over the fact that Mel Gibson is the voice of John Smith. It just yeah. makes me laugh so much now. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about the voice of Bolt? <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my number two is Robin Hood, so throwing it way back. This one is probably more of a nostalgia pick. I know it's not the most original story in the world, but I just it just has something really like it's comforting really, and really feel good. good about it. And like I know the character, I don't obviously it's way before we were even alive, but the voice actors I know were kind of iconic people for their time and just kind of how everybody vibed off each other. I thought the video, the movie was just like makes your heart feel good. <laughs> No need to justify that one. That's a great movie. Yeah, I love it. And my number one, I had to go with Beauty and the Beast. It's just timeless, classic. Tale as Oscar, old as time. Oscar, yeah, Oscar nominee for Best Picture. I mean, that's impressive. It's a good list. It Solid is. Solid list. It, it was really hard to narrow yeah, down. Any, you can, any honorable mentions? Uh, I gave Lion King honorable mention. Obviously, that's one of the ones that's like quality-wise top three easily. But I don't have as much of a personal connection with it. Um, 101 Dalmatians was my jam when I was a kid. <laughs> I had like the bedspread, I had the posters, I had everything. So Spots I had to give that everywhere. one credit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was very weird, but um, I also love Mulan. It was just like a cool, you know, hardcore girl, girl power, power yeah. movie. Yeah. And so that was a fun part of my childhood. So those are my, those are my top. Good. And with that, we'll move on to Bolt. And now our feature presentation the star of the biggest show in Hollywood. She's still in danger. The only problem is... Hold on, Penny. He thinks it's all real. Don't let him out. He's never been off the set before. I'm coming, Penny. So Bolt. This is a movie about a, uh, a dog named Bolt 
who has spent his entire life on the set of a television series thinking he has superpowers. When he believes that his human Penny has been kidnapped, he sets out on a cross-country journey to rescue her. So that's, that's Bolt. It was originally titled American Dog. It was written and directed by Chris Sanders, who was the director of Lilo and Stitch. He's also the voice of Stitch. That's probably what he's most famous for. Any incarnation of Stitch, Chris Sanders is the voice of... Hilarious. <laughs> the film's original plot was the story of a dog named Henry, who was a famous TV star, who, who one day finds himself stranded in the desert of Nevada with a one-eyed cat and an oversized rabbit who is radioactive. <laughs> and they are all searching for new homes. Um, and all while believing he's still on television. So there's that, that same idea about him being this TV dog, but a very different plot. In 2006, when Disney bought Pixar, which we talked about last week, and John Lasseter took over, he and others screened a version of this film. I guess probably just a storyboarded version, but and they offered a number of suggestions to Chris Sanders, who was kind of opposed to them, and so they cut him from the project. They're like, sorry, Chris, go voice Stitch. Just go be Stitch. <laughs> and they removed him and they replaced him with Chris Williams and Byron Howard. Chris Williams went on to co-direct Big Hero 6 and, and Moana. And Byron Howard was the co-director of Tangled and Zootopia. So these guys ended up having quite the careers at Disney after, so after Bolt. The crew was then given 18 months to complete the movie, which is Yikes. a really short turnaround for a movie like this. <laughs> Uh, in June of 2007, it was announced that it would be released on November 21st of 2008 in Disney Digital 3D. So the cast of this movie, we joked about this earlier, but Bolt is played by John Travolta, which I did Strange. not realize until after the movie. Did you guys realize that? <laughs> I did. No. I, I know I saw this in theaters. And I don't remember I that being no the case. idea. It's so weird. And I was I was trying to figure it out because I feel like I'm pretty good at guessing voice talent. I did not guess John Travolta. I did, however, <laughs> guess Miley Cyrus pretty quickly with Penny. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Calico, who's sort of the bad guy in the TV show, was voiced by Malcolm McDowell, who's a pretty famous uh, actor for playing weird bad guys. He's in Clockwork Orange. He's in Caligula. He's a bunch of weird movies. He's a weird guy. He plays the villain in this. They had James Lipton playing the director of this movie. Do you guys know who James Lipton is? Mm-mm. Nope. He's most famous for hosting Inside the Actors Studio. It was a really popular TV show interviewing directors and actors and stuff. He was the host of the show. And uh, Rhino, the, what is he, a gerbil? What was he? I think he's a hamster. hamster. He's a hamster, but they actually, John Lasseter had a pet chinchilla that inspired his design. <laughs> he is voiced by Mark Walton, who is a longtime storyboard artist artist at Disney. He, he worked on Tarzan and Emperor's New Groove and Home on the Range and Chicken Little. And the directors loved his, his just personality. And they asked him to audition for the part, and he ended up he ended up getting it. There's a great video on YouTube. If you just search Bolt Disney behind the scenes, there's a video all about the voice cast. And they put a camera in the room when they kind of tricked him into reading that he got the part. So they had him like reading lines, and one of the lines was, you are the voice of Rhino. And he reads that out loud. Oh. <laughs> but then he gets so giddy, he's like jumping up and down. It's so funny. It was like his dream to be the voice in a Disney movie. What? What? I'm the voice of Rhino. You got the part. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'd say this might be the dream come true. Doesn't really get any better than that. That's awesome. I mean, he's honestly the best. Part oh, he's that. great. <laughs> and yeah, seeing him, I mean, he's just like this nerdy animator guy. And he's the voice of this pretty awesome character in this movie. 
The look of the movie was inspired by the paintings of a guy named Edward Hopper, who was an American realist, painter, and printmaker, best known for his oil paintings. Bolt's characteristics are based on kind of a combination of breeds of dogs, although the designer started with uh, the American White Shepherd. I'm not a dog guy. Oh. That's what that it's was basically a German on. Shepherd yeah. that's albino. I do, however, Oops. watch the dog show every Thanksgiving on, on NBC. It's hard to beat that. That's they great. play the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and then it's immediately followed by John O'Hurley in the, in the dog show, which I do watch <laughs> that. That's about the extent of my dog knowledge. I, I, I am a dog person, but I wouldn't say that Bolt is any obvious dog brain. He's definitely a little creative. An amalgamation, <laughs> yes. Yes. The music in this movie, I love, I love movie music as we talk about it every week, and this has a special place in my heart because this is scored by John Powell, who is one of my favorite film composers. I have a good friend from high school named John Powell, so we always used to get confused, but this is not that JP. This is the, the British John Powell, the film composer. He wrote the score for this movie. He has been my favorite for a long time. I mean, obviously, like John Williams, you can't beat that, but it's my like favorite right. modern film composer, John Powell. He's done, I mean, just a wide array of movies. He does, he does a lot of animation. He did Italian Job, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He did Shrek. He did the Bourne Identity movies. Mm. Ice Age, Happy Feet. How to Train Your Dragon is probably his best. That is an incredible Oscar-nominated score. That is a great so score. So good. He most recently did Solo, a Star Wars story, which is his, which was his return mm-hmm. to Disney, and really that that score is is really good. I've listened to it a lot. He does an it incredible job at combining the work of John Williams with new themes that he's created and weaving them all together. It's 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 really good. So that's my that's my John Powell love letter. Look him up. <laughs> And there are a couple original songs in this movie, <laughs> including the one in the credits, sung by Miley Cyrus and John Travolta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is the weirdest duet we never needed. <laughs> and Travolta like, puts on a little like southern, like a like a country twang in the yeah. song. It's it's interesting. called I Thought I Lost You, which had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song, believe it or not. Must have been a slow year. Um, And then there's the song Barking at the Moon, sung by Jenny Lewis, kind of during the cross-country montage, written by Rilo Rilo Clay. I don't know these names. Yes, I've lived a good one. I have tried to be true. It, this movie was released November 21st, 2008, which was the weekend after Quantum of Solace, the James Bond movie, which I remember seeing in Chicago. 
Quantumosaurus. That's an interesting one. I could talk a lot about Quantumosaurus, but we talked (laughs) a lot about Die Another Day on our Treasure Planet episode, so I don't know how much James Bond we need to go into, but this movie opened at number three, and then in its second weekend, it went up to number two. It was also the same weekend as Twilight. The original Twilight movie came out, so it was up against Twilight. It made $310 million on its $150 million budget, so that is a pretty good success and had great reviews. So all in all, a good kind of resurgence here leading into Princess and the Frog and whatever else is coming next. So it was nominated for Best Animated Feature in the Oscars, but it lost to WALL-E, which uh, I do not blame it. <laughs> and it was also nominated alongside Kung Fu Panda, so quite the year in animation. I mean, WALL-E is a masterpiece, so... It not is. much you can. This isn't even. No, close not much to you can do against that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have for the history and context for this movie, David. Any other fun facts? Yeah. So Miley Cyrus was originally not the voice for Penny. Chloe Moretz voiced the entire film before they replaced her with Miley's voice. I can always tell that it's Miley's voice. She has this unique, like almost raspiness. Yeah, she always, she mm-hmm. always has. It's kind of weird. Even as like a younger, like a teenager, she had that. Another one in Russian, bolt is a slang term for a male organ. <laughs> so they called it volt with a V oh, okay. in Russia. And then thunder in Bulgaria and lightning in Croatia, Slovakia, and Poland. Lots of different titles. And then originally storyboarded, but not animated, they... The scene where they're in Las Vegas, they had Bolt like basically attacked by two Doberman pinchers in the alley. And that's when he realized that he like lost his powers. Hmm. I guess they decided that was too brutal. And so they changed it. I think he kind of just gradually notices that he lost his powers in the final version. Yeah. So those are my fun facts. Kalen, do you have any fun facts putting you on the spot? I mean, he stole mine about the Chloe Grace Morris. Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they should have stuck with her. She's a much better actress. <laughs> But Miley was still in that Disney contract, you know, so they got to get their money's worth while they still had her online. Yeah, get the Hannah Montana in there. She, she was at her peak fame right then, I think. So, I mean, image, her young fame. Right, right, right. <laughs> Until she started wrecking, wrecking, balling things and whatever else mm-hmm. she's done since then. Yeah, she's got a new, new kind of fame now. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney curse. So, Kaylin... What is your history with Bolt? Had you seen this before or is this your first time? I had seen it before. I'm fairly certain I saw it in theaters. My family rarely misses a Disney movie in theaters. So, and I remember, and my little sister is a huge Hannah Montana fan. So we had to go see Miley's movie. Um, I remember being underwhelmed then. <laughs> and so I hadn't really watched it since. And then we rewatched it this week and I was like, yeah, that was a correct assessment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Like, it's not terrible by any means. It's just not up to what I would consider Disney classic standards. I think it's a little gimmicky. <laughs> All right, David. I know when you first saw this movie. I want to see if our, <laughs> if our stories align. Mike was working in Chicago for a semester during college. And I was visiting for a weekend or some amount of time. Yeah. And we went to an AMC theater, I believe, and saw Bolt together. We did. I remember where we parked. I don't remember, like, what I thought about the movie, though. So (laughs) That's really funny because I remember the parking as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a traumatic parking experience. No, it was right across from the theater. I remember remember taking, because you would take, like, three escalators up to get to the theaters. And so you could look out (laughs) over the parking lot and you could see my car. 
and I took my little beeper thing and and honked it, and you could see it flash. Because <laughs> I was always, yeah. I used to have this Nissan Xterra, and I was consistently amazed by the range of my of my remote. So you're trying to show it off to me. That's yeah, why I remember we were where like, we parked. You know, 300 yards away from my car, and I you could you know I could honk it, look out the window, you could see it flash, and we tested it. Yeah, you remember that day? Technology. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, that was the AMC. It's like right on the river. Or right by Navy Pier, or both, in downtown Chicago. And we did go see Bolt together, so. Do you remember what you thought of the movie then? Um, not particularly, but watching it again, I remembered most of it. So, I think I think I generally enjoyed it. I think I liked it a lot more than Quantum of Solace, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Quantum of Solace has grown on me since, but I was so bitter about that movie. My friends and I went to, like, a midnight show, that same theater. We, like, took the bus, you know, down to the theater, because we're all, you know, living downtown, and take a train and then a bus to get there and sit through the midnight show and it's like what the heck was this i love james bond i don't know what this was Hard, high expectations if you combine quantum souls with casino royale and you watch them as all one big four hour long movie it actually is pretty great <laughs> you just have to be At patient the time, that's not how they were screening it so <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Kaylin, now that you have seen it bolt again, give us a little bit more of your your reaction. You kind of already spoiled it a little bit, but give us some more. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I thought the casting was strange, to say the least. I mean, why was the dog voiced by a 50-plus-year-old man? (laughs) Uh, I just thought it was weird. Miley Cyrus, I get. She is very it girl for Disney. She's got a cute little raspy voice. So it worked for the character. But the combination of the two of them just fell flat for me. I thought the story had potential, but it didn't have the same depth that a lot of Disney movies have. Um, I feel like that's what Disney, what sets what Disney apart is that they assume a higher intelligence of their audience. And so they don't dumb things down. There's not a lot of like slapstick humor and I felt like this movie was a bit more dumbed down. And so I was kind of just like, okay. But then I didn't go away leaving with like a, oh, there's a good moral, a good story, like feel good thing. I mean, it was a cute story, but it didn't, it wasn't powerful by any means. David, now that you've seen this again, what do you think of it? Similar to last week, it kind of, the story as a whole reminds you of like a combination of other movies. Um, this one would be The Truman Show, Superman, and Homeward Bound. <laughs> High level thoughts. I enjoyed it. It was a solid, like, I think the animation was really good. I think it's, they're really stepping up their game in computer animation and probably taking some inspiration from some Pixar movies that are coming out in this decade. Probably some technology as well. Yeah. So I thought it looked really good. I, I don't know. As you said, like the whole theme of the movie, like, isn't too deep, you know, like he, he ends up rescuing his master his owner and she gets him back but like there's no really deeper meaning than that it's a fun like adventure the first 15 minutes of the the whole action scene is is pretty awesome and clever like the the tropes they put in there but yeah i don't know the whole like when they're out in the countryside and he's looking for her and he's with the cat and the hamster i wasn't like a huge fan of (laughs) i guess that's probably like half the movie but (laughs) it was good I didn't love it. Mike, what did you think? I like this movie. I think the sort of movie business aspect of it is interesting to me. The behind the scenes of filmmaking and TV, I like how they portray that. 
I think think they do some clever things to, you know, convince Bolt that he's really in the, in the movie, in the TV show. And I, and I like that aspect of it when it started, Mallory was watching kind of half watching it with me and it started with, you know, the nice dog being adopted and then it cuts straight to that action movie. And she's like, what just happened? (laughs) She's like, what did I miss? I'm like, just wait, like it's, it's going to make sense at some point. Yeah. And then for someone who's not like a dog lover, I, I felt for the little pup. That that did get yeah, me. I mean, I'm upset with my dogs, and I was like, "Oh, if this was my dog, that made me a little emotional." But yeah, back to the, sort of the, the the movie aspect of it. I liked that stuff a lot, and uh, you know, I like movies like this. I mean, you mentioned sort of the ones that, that reminded you of David. It reminded me too of like Galaxy Quest or or like the Three Amigos, kind of the reverse of that. Those movies are someone thinks someone is real because they see them on a TV show. It's kind of the reverse of that. But I like that trope using that word again <laughs> and as i as i raved about john powell before i thought the music was really great in this movie and uh the cross-country journey was fun they there's they did a lot of things you don't normally see they showed a lot of real landmarks and a lot of real places and that's uh, a little unusual for for movies like including missouri yeah well that was that was, <laughs> was like, inaccurate yeah. though I know. there's a missouri sign but they're not crossing a river yeah, if, you, if you're going like east farmland. to west to enter Missouri, don't you have to cross a river? Isn't yes. the Mississippi the entire <laughs> entire eastern yes. border of our state? Yeah. They just glossed over that part. But yeah, there was a Missouri <laughs> sign, but they screwed that up. It should have been a bridge over the Mississippi. None of them have ever been here, so I'm sure they just assumed it was farmland. But yeah, uh, like you said, Kaylin, there isn't like anything super deep to this. And it's definitely more mm-hmm. of a kiddie movie, despite there being some pretty intense action. And it, it doesn't feel as timeless as a lot of the classic Disney movies. Probably my favorite scene was the scene where the first action scene where it shows you what all the little tricks they're using to convince Bolt that it's really that he really has powers. Um, that that was very clever. And because the first like ten to fifteen minute action scene, you're you're thinking like, oh, maybe he actually does have powers. If you didn't know the whole premise of the movie, or he's just a CG dog. Yeah, or that, <laughs> which he is. I'm I'm on the same page as you, Mike. I really liked the Hollywood behind the scenes side that they showed. I don't know, some of the side characters, like the cat at the beginning who like plays the evil cat in the show and even the hamster, like there's been dumber side characters in some of these Disney movies with like a lot dumber humor. It was better than what we've been watching as far as silliness and kiddiness and like slapstick. It didn't feel that way to me. So it felt more like a, modern disney movie that actually appeals to a wider audience than just kids so that was definitely a positive yeah because the hamster was really funny the hamster was hilarious and in other (laughs) movies that's like you were just saying that similar character would have just been like really dumb yeah my favorite moment or at least the one that made me laugh at the end you know when penny takes bolt and like we're not doing this show anymore and then they cut to the revised version of the show with a new dog and a new girl and they say something to the extent of we had to completely restructure your face <laughs> it's like the same it's supposed yeah. to be the same character yeah. but they had to get a different actress like that's totally something that, w- that would have been done on some corny tv show absolutely if an actor died or left or something i'm afraid your injuries were more severe than we had previously thought my dear we had to completely reconstruct your face my favorite part was the fact that the animals used a Waffle House unofficial oh, yeah. Waffle House map in order to navigate across the country. And when they were so close, he's like, we're only one waffle away from home. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's kind That's of my I, I don't know if I've ever been to a Waffle House. Maybe once. Oh. Have you ever eaten at a Waffle House? I mean, yeah. Yeah, not, I think not often. One. I mean, if I had to choose something like that, it'd be Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Waffle House is the place you go at the middle of the night, though. Sure, because they're always open. <laughs> so you don't have a lot of options. when this, That's true. That's, that's how you that's end up true. at a Waffle but House. But like, even Denny's seems like slightly better than Waffle House to me. I agree. Those tend to be near each other. Mm-hmm. And probably near bars. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went to a Waffle House in Memphis, Tennessee. I was there mm. to film the St. Louis Cardinals minor league team yeah i think in columbia missouri <laughs> hanging out in college town that's where i ended up in waffle house so appropriately so what else did we notice in this movie mike did you catch the wilhelm scream i did not when rhino's switching channels on the tv and the camper there's a wilhelm oh nice hey man this time i'm gonna do it my way Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think there have been a few in some of these more recent ones. If, if, if you're not familiar with the Wilhelm scream, it is a sort of s- sound guy's trademark. Pretty much every action movie in the last 20 years, if not farther back, has a Wilhelm scream in it, which I will play right now. And uh, it's in every Star Wars movie, every Lord of the Rings movie, every probably Indiana Jones movie. It comes from like an old, old Western movie. I think the character's name was Wilhelm who gives this like blood curdling scream as he's like falling off a cliff or something like that. And it's just, it's that you're going to play again right right now. (laughs) And it's just sort of lived in the archives of sound designers. And it's just become this thing that you hear everywhere. And if you, if you're not aware of this, which a lot of people are, you'll now notice it all over the place. It's dying out a little bit. I feel like it's used less and less now because it's so it takes you, if you, if you're aware of it, it takes you out of the movie for a moment. And so Mm. as it did David, when he heard it, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> As it does me whenever I hear it. Sometimes it's snuck in in action scenes where there's a lot of noises going yes. on, but a lot of the time it sticks out like yeah. a sore That's thumb. That's true. If you hear it now, it's normally much more subtle and mixed in than it used to be. I mean, I think in, I'm trying to think of an example, like in, in The Two Towers, it's a elf being thrown off of Helm's Deep. <laughs> you know, clearly Wilhelming. In Phantom Menace, it's a Naboo pilot like running towards a bunch of battle droids. He gets shot down and, you know, you clear, clear Wilhelm. There you go. The history of the Wilhelm scream <laughs> from Disney one by one. <laughs> Any other observations before we start wrapping this up? Galen, what else did you notice in this movie? I enjoyed Miley. I have to say that. <laughs> Even though she's put some distance between her and her Disney past and Disney probably is okay with not promoting this movie because they probably don't want to be associated with her. I thought you were going to say distance between her and her ex-husband. What? What? That too. <laughs> what, what's his name? He's from the Liam Hunger Hemsworth. Games. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> RIP to that six month marriage. Yeah. <laughs> but what can you do? Celebrities. I, I actually met Miley once when I was in high school, my little claim to fame. Oh, and part of pray tell part of my yeah part of my family's a disney fandom we're big parts of the caribbean fans that's one of our like family movies and so when pirates Pirates of the caribbean 2 came out we happened to be in california and we happened to be planning to go to disneyland anyway so we went on the day that they had the premiere event at disneyland (laughs) which was pretty amazing all you had to do was save a spot next to the red carpet and then they let you stay for the premiere and so we just took turns holding the blanket each day throughout yeah. the day so that everybody got to, and then everybody was sitting there 
waiting on the red carpet. And so nobody was on the rides. It was the best day <laughs> to ever be in Disneyland. We went on Space Mountain like four times. <laughs> um, so, but that was like just in the beginning when Hannah Montana had just started. And so they had all the little Disney babies. They had Miley, they had Zac Efron. <laughs> they had all the high school musical kids. You know, of course, Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom and Karen Knightley. Arnold Schwarzenegger was there. I got to shake his hand, which was Gosh. very exciting for my <laughs> 16-year-old self. <laughs> um, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and a bunch of random professional athletes were there. And the only reason I remember that is my brother's super tall. He's like 6'6". Six, six, and he's standing, you know, his head's above the whole crowd. And Kareem is also very tall. And he's walking by. And my brother goes, Kareem, you're my hero. And Kareem looks over and he's like, yeah, man, thumbs up. <laughs> And so that was just like our, our little moment. <laughs> so did you hug Miley Cyrus or give her a high five or what? We were kind of like, who's that girl? Is that the Hannah Montana girl? We kind of were like, she she was so new that we were, we didn't even care that much about who she was. She was probably 14 years old, like itty bitty. What um, about John Travolta? Was he uh, there? I don't remember him being there. What about Zac but, Efron? Did you give him a hug? Uh, I, did to, I did get to shake wow. his hand. He was cute little underage yeah, right. was, with, with, the, with the dramatic swoop and he's this he's the same age as me yeah is he? how old are you you're, young, so you're younger probably, than me right? i'm 30 yeah. okay i'm 30 okay. All right. so i think he's around the same yeah. age but i was like 15 or 16 so he was probably eight, seventeen, 17 or 18 but uh which is very exciting yeah, you know right. for a teenage girl my little sister i'll have to embarrass her by sharing this she was like 13 and huge Johnny Depp fan, huge. And she had a picture that she brought for him to sign. And she had prepared this speech about how she's going to tell him about what an artistic, talented person he was. <laughs> <laughs> and he came right over to us because we were standing across from where all the media people were. And of course, Johnny Depp didn't want to have anything to do with the media people. So he came right over to us and he walks right up to her and she just stares at him. <laughs> it's just handed the picture over without any words, just <laughs> mouth hanging open, staring at him. And he just laughed at her and he signed it and gave it back. And I like reached out and I said, she says, thanks. <laughs> he was like, no problem. And he just, and as soon as he was out of like earshot, she was like, Johnny Depp smiled at me. <laughs> and that has been like such a joyful moment. That's for awesome. Ever since. I mean, what a great, what you a know? great memory in it, general. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, we kept all the autographs and the pictures. So, last time I was at Disneyland, apparently Mark Hamill was there the same day. Oh, that's funny! You I missed, missed him? it, and he went on to he like. There's a video online where he surprised a a group of people on Star Tours. Ugh. Like they load onto the Star Wars ride, and he came on. And was like, "Hey guys!" And like, "Oh my gosh!" And there's like also a video of it. I was there that day. I rode Star Tours like, like two or three times, <laughs> and we just we oh never crossed gosh. paths, which was so which close. Was really sad. All right. Well, Kaylin, it is the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie we were talking about. So we need something <laughs> to rate Bolt out of. What do you got? Okay. Uh, I was going to rate it out of waffles because okay. that's what, that was his measurement tool to get across the country. So. Out, of, out of how many? Uh, let's do out of five waffles. Okay. So what is your rating of Bolt out of five waffles? I'd give it three out of five. Okay. Final thoughts? It could have been better. <laughs> it was fun to watch. It's not a classic, but it's entertaining. It did the trick. So cool, David. Out of five waffles, that's that's a it could be a mild Shrek reference if you say it the, <laughs> if you say it the right way. I'm doing my calculations. Very technical. <laughs> All right, calculated. I would give it a three point nine five out of five. That's pretty high. 
which is a 79 percent c plus c plus okay i think it's a really entertaining movie um i i like how it's still fun to watch as a 26 year old and i think i had similar feelings when we watched it and what year was this 2008 yep um when i was in eighth grade so I mean, as a newish dog lover of the last few years, that, that helps, you know, since the theme is focused on reuniting with the dog, that hit home a little more than it probably did back in 2008 when I didn't have any pets. So that is one thing I enjoyed about it. And I don't know, like the action is fun. Like the the, orig- the first 12 minutes that we didn't touch upon much, the big action scene, like there were lots of, <laughs> they exaggerated everything. I read something about, taking inspiration from Michael Bay on that because basically <laughs> they're using every single action movie trope, every camera angle. When that explosion happens, they zoom out about five times and it gets further and further away. There, there are lots of clever shots, clever just aspects to this movie that a lot of Disney movies of the past, like the past five we've watched just don't have as much of that. And on top of that, it just seems very polished. The animation is great. And I think you said they had a fairly short development timeline so that's it's surprising that it looks as good as it does but yeah three point what did i say 3.95 <laughs> this one's a solid three out of five for me and as we've expressed my rating system does not is not in parallel with david's the way we calculate these things so <laughs> three out of five is good that's like solid to your point david they were able to do whatever they wanted with that opening action sequence which was which is awesome there's, there's no there's no rules to the bolt world um at least in the tv version of bolt in the movie <laughs> which which would have been so much fun to come up with all that stuff. Yeah, this is really fun. I think this is also a great like entry into the action movie genre for kids. Let's be mm-hmm. fun to show my my daughter when the time comes to before we start watching Transformers and Triple X and <laughs> whatever else. Um, Gladiator. Gladiator, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do Bolt before we do Gladiator, yeah. Easier in, you know. Yeah, just easier in. <laughs> just just the, the the middle step. That's right. My dad took me to see Independence Day when I was in second grade. So <laughs> We'll do Bolt straight into Temple of Doom. That's what we'll do. Oh, that's classic, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I've expressed throughout this generally what I think about it. It's fun. I think the characters are fun. I did not realize I was John Travolta, and I thought he did a fine job. They don't bog this down with unnecessary songs like a lot of these movies have done. It's pretty straightforward, and uh, I enjoyed it. So that is Bolt. Kaylin Bubenick, thank you so much for joining us this week on Disney One by One. Thanks. I had a lot of fun. Some good, some good Disney stories from the crazy Disney family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm people sure there's many people more. People won't play Disney trivia with us anymore because <laughs> we're too diehard. <laughs> yeah. And David, thanks again for joining me on this journey. As Rhino once said, they need a hero to tell them that sometimes the impossible can become possible. No truer words have been said. By a hamster. <laughs> and you can find us everywhere on the internet to Disney One X One and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it here on the show. Next week, we have Princess and the Frog. We're back to hand-drawn classic 2D animation. We'll see how that goes. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast.